0: Still on the quest for the Handmaid's Mirror, Castian Saya begins to discover the truth behind the madness on the Pulsar quest.
1: Castian, before you leave the bridge, you notice in all of the clutter on the floor that was tossed out from the supply closets as well as the detritus from the destroyed consoles and computers, amongst all of that, you notice a small handheld data pad. Not much that makes it unique, except that it's bright red because it is an emergency data pad. This is what would be used on a big ship like this for the people who are responsible for helping passengers get out safely.
0: Oh, so it has the map of a
1: ship. It should.
0: Castian goes to it and sees if it's working still.
1: It is. The battery power is very low, So you probably only have 30 minutes to an hour before this is going to peter out.
0: Uh, Castian will keep it off mostly, but he will turn it on for now just to get kind of get a layout of – He knows that the way back to the escape pod is blocked by a giant crashed chandelier that will be hard to navigate through, especially with a disoriented Laris. So he's first – Looking for the fastest way down to the cargo hold and then for another way to bypass that chandelier to get Laris back to the ship when they need to get out of here.
1: You can find both of those. The advantage of having this emergency data pad as your map versus anything that you would find amongst the passengers is that it includes things like the service stairways and service lifts that are obscured from view for the rest of the passengers. You know, the doors look exactly like the walls, so if you know where they are, which you do now, they're easy to find, but the average person walks past these secret emergency access points a hundred times a day and doesn't even know what the background workings of the ship are
0: castian nods his head and tucks this map away into his pocket and then he shouts over his shoulder keep the door locked and then he's leaving he's going back to starlin's suite the one that they kind of look through for that handmade mirror and then he's going to just take a seat on a tipped over couch i need to heal my strain so Castian's going to take five minutes He knows he only has about an hour and a half left of his rebreather, but he needs five minutes.
1: That is fair. So to heal strain, it is a simple discipline check. And by simple, I mean that there are no difficulty dice included.
0: Three successes, two advantages.
1: So for each success you get, you heal a point of strain.
0: Great, I brought my strain back up. And Castian does have a wound. Is there any way I can try to heal that with some medicine? He's just basically doing some quick field dressing on it. It's only one wound, so it's not that severe.
1: (laughs) Yes, this is a medicine check. Since your current wounds equal half or less of your wound threshold, it's an easy check. Except you're doing it on yourself, so it is actually increased to a hard check, which is three difficulty dice.
0: Wow, that was actually really good. Three successes, three threats.
1: So you heal a number of wounds equal to your number of successes.
0: So Castian takes five minutes. He thinks about grabbing a drink, but he realizes he's still wearing his rebreather. So he just tosses the bottle away, slumps down and just kind of rubs his face, trying to calm himself. He hadn't realized how scary this whole thing was, Mm -hmm. even for him. Mm -hmm. It's unpredictable and Castian hates unpredictability. But after five minutes, he finally takes a, another breath, stands up, and then he pulls out the red data pad and looks for the closest – you said there's access doors, is that correct?
1: Yes. On each floor, there are two access stairwells, one at the fore of the ship, one at the aft. You, of course, are very close to the fore of the ship here on deck 10 because you're close to where the bridge is. So if you go back towards the bridge, this access door must be just before the entrance where you've locked Laris in.
0: Okay, Castian stands up, takes a quick glance outside the hall to make sure there's nobody there. Correct. And he is going to quickly move towards this access door Mm -hmm. in the forefront of the ship.
1: Since you have the map, it's easy for you to find. Again, you just have to look carefully at the wall. And what you thought was just a twist in the design of the wallpaper is actually a small handle that you can pull to the side. All of these doors are manual.
0: And Castian slips on through.
1: Are you going up or down?
0: Uh, He's heading towards the cargo hold. So if this will get him closer to the cargo hold, he will go down. And is this just a straight shot down?
1: According to the map, yes. The cargo hold you can now see is on deck three.
0: Great. Castian turns off the red data pad since he's trying to conserve power. And then he heads down the stairs. Are there lights on in the stairwell?
1: Yes. They are flickering a little bit. Both dimming and turning brighter with some kind of power surge.
0: Great, then Castian heads on down towards the cargo hold.
1: Well, you move down one flight. When you reach deck nine, the stairs have been ripped apart. You could try to jump down, but not only did they rip apart these metal stairs, but then they threw them down two flights so that they are standing on end in jagged points. So even with your force move, Getting down there and not being shish-kebobbed would be a formidable task.
0: Is there a door towards the ninth floor?
1: Yes, you can still access that door.
0: Wait, wasn't the ninth floor the corpse hall? Yes. Castian pauses and then looks upstairs. Castian is debating if he just wants to go back to the tenth floor and then go to the aft of the ship and try it that way. But time is of the essence. So he, yeah, he'll, he'll go through the corpse hall. It's, it'll be fine. He actually says that out louder than Winces before opening the door. And he does pull out a lighting source for this. Something that he hooks up to his wrist and he just shines it forward just to make sure that he has some sort of light uh, source. And he also has his blaster out.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I have a bad feeling about this.
1: And as you step onto deck nine, those corpses and those mannequins are still there. There's no lights on this floor. And those corpses again, have been contorted and pinned or tied to the walls or ceiling so that they are creating grotesque tableaus of portrait poses. So you have your family that's together, excited for their first day on the trip, and you have your lovers in a romantic embrace, and you have the group of bachelorettes looking like they're having a great time, except they're all dead.
0: Castian moves through this and then he pauses as he shines a light back towards just this tableau, and he mumbles, kind of remembering the advertisement he saw for this place, and he sees, like, you know, get a drink with your friends, and then he moves it over, go to the Zero G, and it has someone, like, pinned to the wall as if they're climbing up, and enjoy a Seleustian mud bath, and he, it shows somebody whose head's been dunked into, it looks like cement and hardened, and he mumbles, well, that's where the marketing department ended up, I suppose.
1: You hear a chuckle as you mutter that.
0: Casting's going to turn towards the chuckle immediately and shine his light towards it.
1: Give me a formidable perception check. That is difficulty five.
0: Two failures, zero threats, but a triumph.
1: That is an interesting combination as always. As you swing your light around, the movement of the light makes the shadows jump. And you throw yourself a little bit off balance and you knock into the tableau of the family that's there for their first day on the cruise. And as you back into the person that is representing the dad, he has a big hollow camera hanging around his neck. And as you stumble into him, the camera flash illuminates.
0: Casting catches his balance, then turns and looks towards the hollow camera and he catches it. He waits for the picture to come out. He's hoping to see if maybe the picture caught a, an image of the person who chuckled, since Casting himself didn't see anything.
1: Mm-hmm. As the hologram pops up in your hand, it's a little blurry. Considering the darkness and the movement, you're lucky that anything is coming up at all. It's what happens when you roll a triumph. And you see in what you think is the ceiling what looks like a human face. But when you point your light in that direction, of course, there's nobody there right now.
0: Castian grits his teeth before dropping the holo camera to his feet. Don't mind me, I'm just walking through. You can continue to do whatever the hell this is. It's rather quite beautiful. Sure, let's go with that. Well, have a good day. And he's just going to continue slowly moving on towards that door in the aft apartment.
1: Wouldn't you care for a hollow to preserve your memories? And I'm going to need you to make a discipline check. This is going to be opposed. And I'm going to spend one of these dark side points to give me a benefit. This is an opposed check, so it's versus whatever he rolls.
0: Castian got four successes and three advantages.
1: You just beat him. Four successes and two advantages. (sighs) It's a tempting offer. You feel for just a moment... That, you know what? It's been a while since you've gotten your photo taken, and you're looking pretty good. You'd have to remove this rebreather, and that's what triggers it for you. Wait a second. Not only does that completely not make sense, someone just attempted to use the Force on you.
0: Castian narrows his eyes before just kind of relaxing a little bit and says, Yes, that would be a really good idea, actually. I am ready to have my holo taken. Where should I go?
1: And out of the shadows emerges a very tall, willowy a human, you think at first. The face is very human. And as you shine your light up a little bit, you see that his skin is extremely pale. Uh, you're a pale fellow, Castian. He's paler than you. He's closer to pure white and has no hair. His eyes are sunken deep within his skull. So you think that he's human. Until you see what he's wearing. You recognize the garment from your time as an Inquisitor. This was actually a garment that the Inquisition was seeking to use for themselves. But they never were able to crack it. Because for whatever reason, this garment can only be used by one particular species in all of the galaxy. This is a shadow cloak used by the Umbarans. And it is unique to the species with ultraviolet sensors that allows them to alter the coloration of the cloak to better match their surroundings, which was why it was so difficult to see him earlier. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Why don't you just stand with the lovely lady over here?
0: Castine nods his head and then shines a light towards what woman is he asking me to stand next to?
1: He points you towards a rather lovely young woman with lovely red skin. And then as you take a closer look, you realize that her skin is not naturally red. That is blood. Maybe it's her blood, maybe not. You also realize as you look at her face that it's a very familiar face. It's the face of the Twi'lek that appears on all of the hollows welcoming you to different areas of the ship. That woman was a Twi'lek, which was unusual because you would think that a fancy place like this, you wouldn't associate with Twi'leks due to the... Empire's racism towards them and generally treating them as a slave class. So if you look down at the ground, you see a pair of fake Leku that's been cast to the ground.
0: <laughs> they did Leku face? Yes. I don't know what's more horrifying. Castian's not going to get much opportunity to talk to people unless he plays along, so Castian's going to be like, Absolutely, I'll get my photo taken. But first, what made you decide to do all these wonderful tapestries?
1: I am unleashing my inner artiste.
0: What inspired you to do so? As an artist, what made you decide? What flicked that switch to go from a simple photographer to... A man who captures the life and death of a galaxy surrounded by sentience, mannequin and man, human and non human, all combined together in one beautiful mixture of blood and gore. It really is representative, if you don't mind me saying, of the Nabooan uh, 13th century uh, art style.
1: Give me a charm roll. This is opposed, so no difficulty for you. Two successes. And he only had one success, so he is charmed by your appeal to his grand artistic nature. When we made the jump, it gave us all an opportunity to tap into that which has been ignored for too long. Please, step up to the lady.
0: Do I know anything about Umbaran physiology, weaknesses, anything like that?
1: Roll me xenology. And I'm going to give you a boost die due to the environment. It's going to give you the opportunity to trigger a memory.
0: Three successes, one threat.
1: You remember the Umbarans not only have this interesting cloak that you'd already remembered, but they are very photosensitive. They are capable of going out in the light and operating under normal lighting conditions, of course, but being exposed to light suddenly is detrimental to them. Okay.
0: Castian is going to step up next to this dead human non-Twi'lek, and then he offers a brilliant smile towards this man. But as he's doing that, Castian is actually going to use the force, and since he can handle objects just as well as if they're in his hand, he's going to pick up that camera that he had found earlier, and he's going to swing it right in front of that guy's face and snap a picture of the flash on.
1: Since this requires a bit of finesse because it's a small object and you want to get it at just the right angle, this is going to be a coordination roll. But it's a simple action, no difficulty. We're really just rolling to see how much panache you have and what force points you generate.
0: So I got two successes, one advantage, and one dark side point. I'm going to use that dark side point, And yeah, Cassian gets it right in his face.
1: <laughs> so the Umbaran was stepping into position in order to presumably take your photo. But you're able to get the camera up and in front of him and release the flash. And he stumbles back and you see in that brief moment of light that he was holding a blaster.
0: Cassian pulls out his blaster and just starts firing into him. Uh, Of course, again, stun shot. Yeah, since I want to actually succeed in this and take this guy out pretty quickly, I'm going to flip a destiny point to turn one of my green dice into a yellow die. I got two successes and one threat. Thus, he takes seven points of damage.
1: All right. He gets to soak some of that. So he's taking five points of damage total. Now, will you roll me vigilant so we have our initiative?
0: Three advantages.
1: He only had two advantages. All right, Castian. So you may go again.
0: Got one success, three threats. So he takes six points of damage.
1: Castian, after you take that shot, you're ducking amongst the tableaus of the mannequins and the corpses. And as you are spinning to avoid one, as well as avoid the Umbar behind you who's preparing for his own shot, a stray mannequin arm knocks away your rebreather and it clatters to the floor.
0: Castian yips in annoyance as he drops down trying to find it, but probably not before this guy gets a shot off or two.
1: Not before this guy gets a shot off. Indeed he is pulling up his own blaster and he is going to take a moment to aim as you drop down to the floor. And he rolled a triumph. Cool. So one success, a triumph, and three advantages. I believe that's six damage. It's going to wounds. Your critical injury is that you're distracted because you are looking for your rebreather so you cannot have a free maneuver on your next turn. So he hits you square in the chest and you feel this what do you do
0: since i can't have a maneuver castian's just gonna take a shot at him without aiming two successes and two threats which means he took another seven points of damage take him out castian fires into him the guy stumbles backwards before falling into the love seat right next to the human woman covered in blood and then he just slumps there down Castian stands up, gasping for air before realizing, oh, no, I'm gasping for air. He reaches out and he finds his rebreather.
1: And I'm going to flip a destiny point to tell you that the rebreather fell into a bucket of blood.
0: Castian lets out a very slow sigh before just throws the rebreather back into the bucket before standing up and moving towards the uh, downed man. He finds a sash that's made out of pretty strong material and then hog ties the man before mumbling. <laughs> 13th century Naboo and more like 17th. And he stands up and just continues on his way.
1: All right, so you are going to the access stairs in the aft of the ship, correct?
0: Yes, to see if maybe these aren't broken up.
1: And it's even more difficult to find this one in the dark and with your adrenaline pumping. I mean, this was a, an unsettling encounter. But you are once again able to find that door that is inset perfectly into the wall, and you pull it open with a screech of the metal. And the stairway, from here at least, looks clear.
0: Is it lit?
1: Yes, with the same sort of flickering lighting as the previous one.
0: Cassian turns off his wrist light before moving down the steps. He is going to try to double time it now that he knows that he might be exposed. Actually, he has taken a moment to send a message to Bone and Skitter. Bone, I need you to work double time to find out if this chemical, or poison, or pathogen is still in the air, or, or what, my rebreather is... I lost my rebreather, so if I'm infected, I... I need to know. I need to know how bad this is going to get.
1: Skitter is going to pop in.
2: Sir, there is a 17% chance that this is the monkey lizard flu. Monkey lizard flu, Really? Really? And what does the monkey lizard flu do? It causes extreme agitation. It can cause psychotic breaks.
0: And does it make you immune to electricity? Unlikely. Okay, I'm going to assume that this isn't the monkey lizard flu. I know what the monkey lizard flu is, and a tantrum and hallucinations is not what this is. This is a complete psychological Breakdown. The monkey lizard flu usually has a lot more laughter, and people are more lethargic. People deal with the monkey lizard flu all the time. I'm sorry. Just, just do your best. Get back to me as soon as you find anything. Uh, there's another symptom I forgot to mention. Uh, their pulse—it's rapid, even if they're stunned. Their heart rate is accelerated. That does not track with the monkey lizard flu. Delightful. Just keep me informed, Skitter. And he turns off his communicator. Takes a deep breath because there's no point in trying to stop breathing now. And he's walking down the steps.
1: So you have a clear stairway at this point. As you go down the stairs, you can hear strange things on the other side of the wall from where you are walking, but you don't encounter any roadblocks. So how far down are you going to go?
0: You said deck three is the cargo bay? Yes. I'm going all the way down to deck three, the cargo bay.
1: Okay. You follow the signs that are posted in the access stairwell as you are going down floor by floor by floor, and you reach deck three. When you pull open the door, you are obviously in a very industrial part of the ship. This is a part of the ship that they never expect the guests to see, and even most of the crew doesn't have reason to come down here. When you first enter deck three, you look to your left and you see what looks like offices. They must have some sort of administrative work that happens down here. That takes up maybe a quarter of the length of the ship, this sort of office area. And then beyond it is the cargo. The cargo that you can see ranges from the checked luggage of the passengers all the way up to personal land speeders. Basically, anything that a guest brings onto the ship that isn't taken immediately to their stateroom is kept down here in the cargo area.
0: So it's a pretty massive structure. It's like a stadium almost, They might even have a crane in here for lifting like those land speeders occasionally. Mm
1: -hmm. And it takes up most of the full length of the ship. You just have one quarter of the ship here in the aft that is administrative.
0: Castian sends a message to Laris. Laris, are you reading me? Yes, sir. How is everything in the bridge?
1: It would proceed more quickly if I were not interrupted.
0: Understood. This place is massive. Can you give me a sector, an area, a number of where I could find Starlin's luggage?
1: I may be able to pull up the ship's manifest. Accessing. The files are corrupted. The registry is corrupted. I'm unable to pinpoint exactly where Bartholomew Starlin's gear would be stowed.
0: Don't worry. There's an office nearby. Maybe they have some flimsy that they wrote it down on.
1: I am able to give you a quadrant.
0: That would be helpful.
1: It is near the foreport.
0: port. Okay. Thank you, Laris. Continue on what you're doing.
1: Of course, sir.
0: Castian's moving towards those offices, actually, the mm-hmm. administrative offices, to see if he can find any flimsy or any of like the paperwork, actual written out paperwork, or even just the data pad that contain the files that aren't corrupted. He's trying to find a manifest.
1: Okay. As you enter the office, again, this is very sterile, sort of bare bones area, where it looks nice but not opulent in any way. On the plus side, this is the cleanest part of the ship that you've seen. Whatever happened to everybody on this ship, no one thought to come down to the administrative office, apparently.
0: No one was that crazy.
1: There is a desk and a chair and a computer terminal inset into the desk.
0: Castine goes to the console, and he's going to see if he can find that manifest.
1: When you go to the console, the face of that Twi'lek woman actually pops up, who you now know is not so much actually a Twi'lek. Welcome to the ship's systems on the Pulsar quest. How may I assist you today?
0: I'm looking for Bartholomew Starling's belongings.
1: Please scan your access chip to prove that you have authority to access that information.
0: Of course, Castine pulls out the implant that he took from the captain and holds it in front of the reader.
1: Access confirmed. And as the screen pops up with a complete dossier, really, on Bartholomew Starling, this is more than just where his luggage and personal belongings are kept. It looks like they actually kept profiles on the passengers, presumably because that helps you anticipate their needs. If you know what his preferred liquor is, then you can make sure that he's always well-stocked with it. You can make sure that your waitresses in the cantina are serving it to him to encourage him to bet bigger, for example. So they were looking out for everything here. So you're able to see anything that you would ever want to know about Bartholomew Starlin. Before you can get too in-depth about it, though, You hear from behind you, someone calling out and banging on a door. Hey, hey, is somebody there? Is somebody there? Help,
0: help. Not falling for this one again. Please, you'll probably stab me or try to cook me or make me gamble. You just stay in there and just tire yourself out, insane person.
1: Please, I've been trapped down here. I need help.
0: Oh, Castian, don't do it. I hate following you, Example Modonin. I'm going to check out this voice, but I'm going to scroll down quickly and find out where Starling's belongings are first.
1: And the computer gives you that information.
0: Castian memorizes it, and then he just kind of gives a brisk jog towards whoever's screaming.
1: It's back out amongst those offices that you saw earlier, what you thought must have been several administrative offices. When you go to the left, you find actually that they also had the brig down here. Oh, You walk into what is obviously a security office and you see that there are three cells. The three cells are behind sliding doors and have small windows inset into them. Two of those doors are open halfway. The third is shut. In the two open cells, you can see that these cells are only a few meters square, just big enough for a cot built into the wall. These aren't intended to hold people long term. Mm And in the window of the third cell, you can see a human man's face, a young man, probably in his 20s, just pressed up against the glass, banging frantically. Hey, hey, what's going on? Uh, Help me get out of here.
0: How long have you been in there?
1: Four or five days.
0: You were here before everything went wrong.
1: What went wrong? I don't.
0: Before I can let you out, I'm going to catch you up. First of all, do you have water in there?
1: No, I've got nothing.
0: How'd you survive for the last couple of days?
1: I'm not doing so great, man.
0: <laughs> Step back. Hold your hand up over your head. If you even think about charging me when I open this door, I will put a bolt in your head faster than you can blink. I am not kidding around. I've been through hell to get down here. I am not taking chances.
1: Yeah, yeah. Whatever you say, man. What are you in for? Drunk and disorderly.
0: Castine walks over to the security terminal, and he's going to run the captain's chip in front of it, and he's going to pull up this guy's file.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You pull up the file. Five days ago, an Aaron Midosi was logged in for Drunken Disorderly.
0: And I pull up his information. What's Who's Aaron Midosi?
1: When you get a little bit deeper into the system, you realize that you weren't finding Aaron Midosi initially because he's not a passenger. He's a crewman. Aaron midas works in the kitchens.
0: midas step back, and Castian's moving over, and he's taking out a, it's a bottle of water that he keeps on him, it's a flask, Mm -hmm. and Castian uh, waves him to step back as far as he can, keep his hands up over his head. He does. Castian waves the captain's implant in front of the reader and opens it up.
1: As he has his hands up, Castian, give me a quick perception check. This is going to be daunting. Five.
0: I'm going to flip light side destiny points to make one of my greens into a yellow. And I got two successes, two threats.
1: So you go up to the door and you put the captain's chip in front of the door to release the locks. And as you release the locks, something clicks in your head. He'd held up his hands. His hands are calloused. You've opened the door and he rushes at you. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Off now. I, Back off. Man, I. Do you want the water?
1: Yes, that's all I want.
0: He tosses the water towards the guy.
1: And he grabs it out of the air, rips off the top, and just holds it over his face. The water is kind of splashing all over his face as well as halfway into his mouth.
0: The door closes again on him.
1: Hey, hey, what are you doing?
0: Allow me to explain the situation to you right now. You are a cook here, yes?
1: He takes a moment. And it's a moment too long before he says, yeah.
0: I don't believe you. You were thrown in here for drunken disorderly. Your files really it took me a while. It says you were a crew member, but something doesn't add up here.
1: I don't know what you mean. I am a crew member on the Pulsar Quest. I've worked here for two cycles. I got drunk. It was right after we made that that jump, and I went drinking with the guests, and I let slip that we were all going to die. And then they threw me in here, and then everybody disappeared.
0: Castian is watching him explain and walking him through this, and Castian is nodding his head as this guy just goes into this convoluted thing about being on the ship for so long. And then suddenly he says something. That catches Castian's attention, which is after the jump, I went off and I just drank of some people. The jump. And Castian remembers from the captain's records that they threw the person who did the blind jump into the brig. Castian pauses, snaps a few times, then points. Sharon.
1: The man who is still stumbling over his words stops for a moment. Who?
0: I know who you are.
1: I told you, I'm see. I'm a worker in the kitchen.
0: I'm a bounty hunter. I've been through every system, every file on this cruise ship. I've seen all the records. You're Sharon. You're the pilot who did the blind jump.
1: And the mask of innocence falls away. His entire demeanor changes. As he kind of hunches his shoulders down a little bit, his hands just fall limply at his side. He is incredibly relaxed, but also a little dangerous. There's a feral glint in his eye. What you want to make of it?
0: You sent the ship into a blind jump. That's suicidal. You're lucky you didn't go through a star or a planet or another ship.
1: And that was just my
0: first trick. Are you the reason all these people have gone insane?
1: He walks towards the door and goes to the wall. You can't quite see what he's doing, but you hear an electrical popping, and the door slides open, and he just saunters up to you. I feel like you want to be the hero here, so here's a tip, hero. I haven't been locked up here for five days. I have had plenty of time to explore all the nooks and crannies of this ship, including the engine room. Everybody on this ship that isn't already dead is going to be within the hour when the engines go boom.
0: Why are you doing this?
1: Because it seemed fun. All day long, every day, for years, I have to slave away under that captain. There's no time for fun when you work on a ship like this. Oh, you see. You see the glitterati of the galaxy having the time of their lives. But do the crew get to partake in any of it? We barely make enough credits to feed ourselves. But I've been saving. I've been saving, see, because I deserved a treat. I deserve a chance to relax. So I went... I went to our famed spa, had a lovely afternoon, and when I walked out, I realized, you know what? It's time for Sheeran to treat Sheeran. Sheeran wanted to have a little fun, so Sheeran had fun. What you gonna do about it, bounty hunter? Kill me? He holds his hands up in a mockery of surrender.
0: Castian pulls out a knife and presses it right against Sheeran's throat.
1: Shirin makes no move to resist, so he's still incredibly relaxed even as he hold a knife against his throat.
0: Castian growls as he feels his hand shaking, angry at this guy's inability to show fear. Castian just holds out a hand and uses the force to send this guy slamming back into his cell, and Castian's going to close the door.
1: That's not going to hold me, you know. I can get out anytime I want.
0: Yes, but it'll give me time to think. And Castian is... Holding his hand out towards the door to kind of just keep it closed for now.
1: For as long as you're standing there, he's not making any move to open the door. He is staying back against the wall that you flung him against, Mm -hmm. slumped down on the floor. Just sitting there, kind of has his knees drawn up to his chest. Just waiting.
0: Casting contacts Laris again.
1: Sir, I really must insist that there be no more interruptions.
0: Laris, there's something wrong with the engines. They're going to blow. I found Sharon in the brig. He apparently has been free and wandering around. He said that within an hour, the engines are going to overload and explode.
1: One moment while I confirm. Yes, it seems that the safety protocols have been overridden, but when I look up the engines manually, they are primed to overload.
0: How can we stop it?
1: From here, it is impossible. The connections to the engines are faulty. If you were in the engine room, it may be a different story, but it may not. Without more information about exactly what has been done to the engines, there are far too many variables to make an estimate.
0: Okay, okay, Laris, how long do I have? Can you at least give me that?
1: It is difficult to predict, but approximately 52 minutes and 30 seconds.
0: Castian presses his head against the wall and just lets out a long sigh as he's just trying to think of what to do.
1: Sir, your communication appears to be coming from Deck 3, is that correct? yes. If you are on Deck 3 and you have the quadrant in which to find Bartholomew Sheeran's goods, 52 minutes and 30 seconds, 51 minutes and 30 seconds now, should be more than enough time for you to find the object and return to the Howling Gundark.
0: But what about the ship? It blows up with everybody inside it.
1: Sir, our job never specified the condition that the ship must be left in. Yes, but
0: our job as just sentient beings is not to leave an entire ship filled with, I don't know how many people are still alive, but there's still people alive.
1: As R3B1 and Skitter have been unable to identify precisely what may be affecting these people, there is no indication that anyone left on that ship may recover from their current affliction.
0: You'd be surprised what a person can bounce back from. I'm going to the engines. Can you make it down to deck three to help me fix the engine room?
1: My motor functions have improved. However, from here, I am able to monitor the status of the engines. We may not have that information down in the engine room.
0: You're right. I can't really ask Bone or Skidder to come down here. Stairs isn't really an option, and the lifts aren't working. Laris- I will contact you in 20 minutes. If you do not hear back from me in 20 minutes, I want you to get off the ship immediately.
1: Understood, sir.
0: Cassian turns back towards Sharon opens the door.
1: Inspiring words. Really got me right here, and he taps his chest.
0: You did not cause the madness, though, did you?
1: I don't know what you're talking about. I've never felt better.
0: Tell me about the spa. What did you do in the spa? I mean, we're both going to die anyways. Tell me- what did you do with the sprawl that make you come to this epiphany?
1: I had the most amazing sensual massage with the new Mustafarian hot volcanic stones. There's still some up in the spa if you'd like. I don't know if you'll find me as appealing as my masseuse was, but perhaps you can come to your own epiphany.
0: I activate my communicator and contact the ship. Bone. Skitter. Is there any diseases, poisons, anything
2: from Mustafar? Volcanic stones might have had something to do with this. Yes, we do have a report from miners on Mustafar. But What is it? A poisoning from a gas, a trilum gas that is found deep in the volcanic pockets of Mustafar. What does it do? What does it do? Reports vary, but among the symptoms that have been reported are psychosis, lethargy, extreme hyperactivity, obsessive thoughts, and an apparent resistance to electricity.
0: Ding, 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 Castian mumbles before saying, is there a cure? No. Is there a temporary solution that can kind of knock them back into sanity? None has been discovered. Wow me, in the next 10 minutes if you could think of anything. Working, sir. If Trilum gas got released into the ventilation system, how long would it linger? Am
2: I infected? Unlikely. All known reports of Trilum gas poisoning have dissipated within 24 hours. Cassian lets out a sigh of relief. And sir, it is most heartening to hear your faith in my abilities. (laughs) Cassian just deactivates the
0: comm unit. And with that, Cassian's moving over to a security locker, opening it up. Does it have like restrainers in it? Yes. Pulls that out. I'm moving towards Sharon, and I toss three strangers to his feet. Put those on.
1: Whatever you say. You're I- going to
0: the engine room, and you're going to fix what you did.
1: I don't know if I want to. That doesn't sound like a treat for Sharon.
0: Yes, but according to the commercial, the crew is at the ready to serve my every need. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot Star Wars Force and Destiny. Please follow Solo Shot Podcast and Fandible on Twitter, and please share this episode on social media. You can also leave a review for Fandible on iTunes or your pod chaser of choice to help others find us and enjoy games like this one. You can also find us on Patreon if you want to make a donation to help keep our equipment up and running. But most importantly, always remember, may the Force be with you.